Speaking from Water, Episode 7. I'm here with special guest Peter Jovich from uh, the beautiful Margaret River in Western Australia. It is a complete honor to have you here, Peter. Thank you for taking the time on your, on your Saturday evening. It's, uh, I believe, around 8 p.m. Um, your time. It's uh, Saturday morning, my time on the East Coast of America. And um, welcome, uh, global community. This is uh, a great honor to have you here. Um, for, for those of you who might not know Peter or Peter's work, um, mind-blowing stuff. In the water, backlit, Margaret River, the box, just beautiful stuff. I'm going to have a link down below in the comments section uh, to Peter's page on Instagram, and you all can check it out. But um, Peter, welcome. Um, happy to have you here, really, sir. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Sean. That's quite the introduction. And um... I kind of don't know what to say now. That was uh, quite overwhelming. Thank you, dude. I'm honoured as well. Very, very excellent. Um, can you can you kind of uh, break it down? Where are you right now? Who's with you? Uh, what, what what's going on today in uh, in beautiful uh, Margaret River? Okay, well, uh, breaking it down, I'm I'm at home. I'm in my uh, I guess what I, I would call my study. I don't do too much study in here. This is where I do all my um, photography downloading and. And so forth. And there's, if uh, obviously I'm not going to show you around, but uh, there's a mess of paperwork and all sorts of things around, and um, you know, birthday cards and sorts of things, and blah blah blah. And uh, whilst we're setting up, I was just mentioning to you before that uh, we're setting up the Zoom um, uh, meeting, and my wife had drawn uh, a moustache and a beard on me, and so forth. And we got rid of that, so that's all good. So uh, this is me. But what's been happening in Margaret River today? We had a uh, a, a small swell, but uh, you know, around about the three to four foot range and it was uh, clean all day. Um, so offshore winds and nice clean little swell lines. And uh, this is autumn and autumn is the, the best time to be here. It, uh, it pretty much goes off almost every day. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, I, I was watching the surf competition the other week and I got a good lay of the land. Um, for those of uh, the, the viewers and, and uh, people listening out there who've not been or seen Margaret River, could you kind of break down the the, the landscape? Um, how how is it? Is it is it uh, populated um, very very much, or is it rugged? Um, you know, from what I've seen, it's just just gorgeous, cliffy, lots of uh, hardcore breaks. Um, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, you mentioned that, or you touched on hardcore breaks. There's certainly uh, lots of hardcore breaks. Uh, it's kind of like a lot of places you go to. Um, the one thing I don't like about here is that it's really hard to have those really fun surfs because every wave uh, kind of seems to want to kill you, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's very green. It's very leafy. Um, there's lots of cows around the place. There's lots of vineyards. So uh, there's, a lot of, there's lots to see and do for, for everyone. But in terms of the surf, uh, there's a huge variety of different breaks that you can surf um, throughout the year, uh, different times of the year, different breaks um, sort of, I guess, do their thing. Uh, and yeah, there are areas that are very cliffy. It is quite rugged. Uh, I would describe the swells that hit the coast as being uh, very raw. Uh, so, you know, we don't quite often, apart from this time of the year, we don't have the luxury of having uh, uh, groomed swells that have been traveling for thousands of, of miles and uh, having that luxury of having the, the offshore wind groom the swells. And so quite often uh, for most of the year, the swells are really raw. Um, you know, and they sort of concentrate on these uh, these little patches of reef or slabs of reef or beach breaks and so forth, and the which makes the waves quite powerful, uh, obviously. And you know, it's kind of kind of comparable to Hawaii in many ways, where uh, you know we have consistency of swell all year round. Uh, so that's one thing that kind of uh, and and due to the concentration of breaks, it does spread the people around. I think Margaret River region has something like about 15,000 people in the in the district, if I can call it that. Um, so it's getting busier, as you'd expect, because people come here for the surf. Uh, there's a rich surf culture, um, and it's all about the waves and the wine and the beer, <laughs> the breweries, that sort of thing. Great I, place I, to come and see and live. I love it. I, I've been to um, the east coast of Australia many times, and the culture is just vibrant, and um, I... I can only assume um, the West Coast is is uh, very similar. Can you kind of break down the surfing culture and kind of, uh, you know, when I was in uh, Sydney and, and the uh, Southern beaches there, um, it seemed uh, more populated, not as much um, 
you know, it, it's a very hardcore water community. Um, is it like that on, on the West Coast? You know, do you have your, your nipper programs? Do you have uh, that same sort of like, everyone knows how to swim, everyone kind of knows the, how to surf basically, or it has some connection to the water. What, what, what are, what's um, the culture like? Yeah, it's actually very much uh, like that. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to saying uh, like the nippers, uh, that's very popular sort of uh, north of Margaret River uh, around the, the more heavily populated areas. Uh, but you mentioned the East Coast. I think what's different here is the fact that um, you can get away uh, from people, so to speak. Uh, I've already mentioned that the, the swells are quite raw. And if you want to get in your car and get in uh, with your mates and, and, you know, go for a bit of a search or maybe go surf a few bombies and, you know, there'll only be, you know, a handful of people out there kind of really charging. And, and these are the people who uh, kind of underground sort of people, you know, there's uh, no sort of fanfare around these sorts of guys, but they'll be paddling out at bombies when it's, you know, 10 to 12 foot, you know, with their eight, nine foot, 10 foot guns, whatever it is that they're, they're paddling out on. And that's kind of the culture, you know? So uh, I think that, you know, people live for the, for the waves here. So uh, I guess it's very popular for when it is offshore, uh, pretty much people down tools like your tradies and so forth and bang, they're off to the coast and, and everyone's surfing. So, uh, you know, it's it definitely, it's all about the waves, all about the surfing. And there's a real positive energy and positive vibe about that uh, in the water. And when the swell is up, like it has been lately, um, you rock up to spots that you just, um, it's, you know, you just tingle. It's just, it's unbelievable. Everyone just frothing. Oh, totally frothing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like everywhere, everywhere you go, you can drive a few kilometers down the coast and you get out of your car and you walk up some track somewhere for about 20 minutes or whatever it might be. And I guess you mentioned the East coast because we don't have the population here. Uh, there's a lot of spots which do require a bit of effort to get to. Like I, I went to uh, one location this morning and uh, drove in my car four-wheel drive uh, for about you know 20 minutes or so uh, through big puddles of mud and rocky outcrops and so forth and and I got there and there was uh, one car in a makeshift car park and there were two guys out surfing and uh, and so you know just stuff like that and I talked to these guys when they came in and they were just totally frothing and um, yeah they were all over it it's uh, it's really cool you know it's a nice vibe and there's no from what I've seen for the whole time I've, I've been in this region, I, I, I don't really see any aggro. Everyone's chilled out. Uh, it's a really nice vibe and, and people come here because uh, they love the location, they love the surf and, and everyone's chilled out and everyone's pretty happy, I think. Dude, it sounds just incredible. Um, before we get into your photography and kind of your, your mindset when you're out there and, and your whole process, I wanna rewind the clock a little bit and kind of understand uh, where, where you're coming from, you know, who, who are your parents? Where did you grow up? Are you, are you from the region? And um, give me a little bit of, of your history there from the beginning times. Okay, I'll take it right back <laughs> to the day I was born. I was actually born about uh, an hour and a half, maybe two hours east of Margaret River uh, in a little town in the Southwest. My parents moved, uh, they were actually immigrants uh, to Australia and we moved to, or uh, well, they moved to Perth when I was a baby. So I grew up in the metropolis that is Perth, which is uh, compared to a lot of other uh, cities uh, globally or even in Australia, Perth uh, was pretty much like a small country town. Um, so grew up there and that's where I first got exposed to the ocean in terms of the fact that uh, my dad was a fisherman. So I used to accompany him every now and then uh, to go fishing and I didn't really like fishing. I didn't really have the patience for it. And I don't really, I just don't really like fishing. Uh, my brother and I, we got into surfing. Uh, I got into surfing uh, at quite a late age, at about the age of 15 years old. Um, and from there, we, you know, obviously, like a lot of other people, just uh, addicted. You mentioned the word frothing before, you know, a little frothing when, you know, uh, we were getting barrels when we weren't really getting barreled, but we were still frothing and that sort of thing. And uh, uh, I moved down to this region in Margaret River about now seven years ago, it was. Uh, so I moved the family down here. Um, I didn't have a job to come to or anything like that. Um, my wife, uh, she's working in the in the health industry. Uh, she got offered a, a job with um, uh, one of the local hospitals. Uh, she off, she was offered a contract of working. Uh, they guaranteed her one day a week. And we just said, yep, we're done. So we packed up, came down to this region. 
and we've never looked back and my kids are now going to school in the local schools here obviously and um, it's fantastic and we live in a, a wonderful part of the world and I mentioned before it's very leafy it's very green there's lots of trees Mary trees Jarrah trees carry trees all the trees that are like you know the signature sort of vegetation or the flora of this area and uh, so but I've been coming down here since since the age of about since about 12 years of age my dad used to bring us down here camping as well um and so and here we are so that's pretty much uh i guess my exposure to the region and um yeah it's, a, it's an addictive place and i've always wanted to live here and uh and when my wife said oh you know do you want to uh, move down to marker river i was like yeah let's do it <laughs> Hard decision. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I want to touch upon your dad as a fisherman, and I'm sure he took you out on the water a lot. Now, you might not have been too into catching the fish, but do you do you find that that period in your in your life was maybe the seed where you kind of started understanding water, how water looks when different light hits it, when different swells are coming. I've um, I've heard a lot that the fishermen in all different regions of the world kind of know the most about even more than the surfing culture. So can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on, um, on that factor to how that kind of was a stepping stone to your love of uh, surfing then, your love of uh, photography and how they all kind of commingle? Well, I think, uh, and you're right in what you say, but I think that uh, because my father used to take me, uh, take me fishing and the thing that I remember first up was, uh, uh, I guess, my dad always used to go fishing when it seemed like the conditions weren't so uh, inviting, so to speak. I don't know if that was a good time to catch fish or not, whether it stirred the ocean up. But I always remember the ocean uh, looking stormy and uninviting and was looking quite grey and looking quite intimidating. And it's always been intimidating from that point on, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So, But I'll look at it in different ways. Whether, you know, whether that kind of uh, influenced me uh, with my, I guess, my perspective of the ocean. I'm not really too sure, but I just, I guess, uh, taking note of, of the ocean in front of me and the movement of the ocean, and in particular, when the fronts used to come through and it's windy and it's cold and it's, uh, you know, you kind of, uh, I guess, I, I don't really know how to put it, but um, I guess it did ingrain something in me at that point in time. Uh, and I guess just being around the ocean to start with uh, was something that it must have been a, a, must have been a nurturing force to begin with. Awesome. So you are now, um, uh, you, go, you go and, and, and surf at 15. How, what's that period like between then and then when you're like, hey, I want to get a camera? When, when does that happen? Right. Okay. So it's quite interesting, actually, because from the time I was surfing, uh, I was actually, uh, I guess, right into photography even before that period, about a couple of years before that. Uh, from when I first started high school, and that was back in the in the film era. So you know, pre digital, and uh, I don't want to tell you how old I was that sort of thing, but uh, it gives you a fair bit of an idea there. Uh, mm -hmm. But you know, and I was I was able to learn how to um, uh, develop and process all my own negatives and and uh, print and and all that sort of thing. Uh, so, and then taking up surfing, I you know, it's it's an interesting question because I remember. Um, surfing with my brother who we used to surf with a lot and a couple of close friends and I remember paddling out and uh, like my brother or someone would get a wave and you know they'd be like sort of in the pit there you know almost getting barreled or maybe doing a head dip or whatever it was and you'd be on the shoulder and you'd kind of like be um, pretending that you're you're filming you know you start doing the camera roll and that sort of thing or you know you're doing that and uh, I always used to look at the waves and think oh man Love to like. Uh, I wish I'd captured that particular wave. That would have been totally awesome. Um, but it wasn't for. But at that point in time, uh, with my photography, I was a lot more into a. Uh, I guess if I can call it a journalistic style of photography. Um, so I used to like going to photograph things like um, uh, protests and meetings and uh, motorsports and that sort of thing. And but the ocean just sort of. I guess uh, you know pushed me in that direction where really all I wanted to do was start um, photographing lineups and things like that. And it was a trip um, several years later where I went to the northwest of Western Australia and I was with a friend of mine and just the colours, the, the aqua blue of the water and with the contrast of the, um, of the land, which is, you know, like 
um, red sand, limestone outcrops and that sort of thing. The contrast was fantastic. And it was really then that really kicked it off for me. And um, I took my camera up there. I remember I had a couple of different lenses and so forth. And like the mountain goats that you see up there, I used to traverse up and down the trails and tracks and look down at the lineups and try and get as many different angles as I possibly could. And I still got quite a few of those photos in, in my photo albums, not my hard drive or anything like that, but my photo albums. So, and that kind of really kicked it off because I'd look at the colors, um, look at the perfect surf and, and in between the surfing, I was out, uh, well, I was either surfing or taking photos. That was pretty much it. And I guess I was hooked on it. So when did you get a water housing and enter the water um, to capture what you were seeing and what kind of was just motivating you before to want to, wanna, I guess, get the water housing? Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because, you know, I'm shooting from the land and so forth. And I remember having a conversation with a, a, a surfer in the car park who was also a photographer. And um, I said to him, oh, you know what, I'd really love to get in the water and be part of it and capture what was happening in the water as well. And I remember this, uh, this person said to me, he says, mate, you don't want to do that. And I said, why is that? And he goes, if you get in the water, you're going to miss so much that you'll end up regretting it. And I said, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And he's like, no, don't do it, man. Just don't do it, you know. And I thought, oh, no, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so the first thing I actually did was um, I'd, I've started out getting a, uh, you know, back then like one of the first GoPros that came out. So whenever that was. And I thought I'd learn, uh, even though I was uh, quite familiar with the land-based sort of photography, I thought I'd learn by getting this GoPro and going out swimming around and just getting a feel for, you know, being in the, the right areas and where you needed to be and so forth. Um, so I did that. And then when I ended up getting my first housing, which was a custom-made first housing, and this is a bit of a tragic story, actually. Um, I remember uh, getting my camera, putting it in the housing and thinking, right, I've got to test it before I take it out into the water. Uh, so I'd put it in, into the housing, you know, seal it up, put it in my bathtub, make sure there was no leaks in the house or anything like that, take it back out. Yep, that's good. I'd do it again. I must have done it about three or four times. The first time I took my housing out and I put my camera and it had a, uh, a fisheye lens in it. It was a 10 millimeter fisheye. Um, I had the camera in the housing, sealed it all up, thinking, right, I'm ready to go. And this day was actually pumping, hey, and I was really nervous and really excited. And I swam out to this location. I remember this wave came through and it was such a perfect wave. And I remember when I held the camera up to take a photo, um, there was, I had this red light flashing uh, within the camera and I've looked and I could see the water level within inside my housing was about halfway up. And I was like going, that's not right. You know, that's not right. So I ended up swimming back in Basically, at the end of the day, I lost my camera, uh, lost my uh, fisheye lens. Um, the the corrosion ended up going into the the trigger for the uh, you know for the pistol grip and so forth. And that was my first lesson. The first lesson cost me a camera, a, a fisheye lens, and basically the housing then needed to be sent off to the service then a new pistol grip. So it was a very um, it was a very expensive lesson, and I'm pretty sure that uh, I might have shed a tear or two that day. And I just thought to myself, what could I, what could I possibly have done that was incorrect? And I ended up working it out. It was basically the, um, the, the cord from the pistol grip got pinched in between the dome and the actual body of the, uh, of the housing. So it was an expensive lesson. Uh, that was a long time ago now, and it's never happened since. <laughs> so, so that for a lot of people probably would have cashed out any future uh, water endeavors. You know, you might've just been like, hey, I'm just gonna stick to the, the land. But uh, in your case, you persevered through that tough moment and you must've then just doubled down, got new gear, and then you're, you're back out there, it sounds like. Uh, well, you know, actually talking about it now, I feel like a bit of a post-traumatic dis stress disorder coming on because uh, I was like, oh, I can't actually, I haven't thought about that for a long time. And, and now that I've actually mentioned it, it's like. <laughs> your, your, your heart rate's going up a little bit. Yeah, like, mine, oh, mine yeah, just I did really, too. Yeah, yeah. Because um, for those yeah. who take water photos, that is like the ultimate um, uh, fear that the water is going to come in your camera. And uh, oh. and yeah. Oh, sure. And I was obviously a, a total, if you don't mind me saying, a total kook at the process. You know, I, 
you know, I'd practiced in immersing it in the tub and so forth. But to answer your question, um, I was uh, I was pretty much gutted for several days afterwards. But it's interesting because uh, my first thought was, um, I've got to just, no, I'm not stopping at that. I'm back in there for sure, you know, because that's what I wanted to do even after the, the person said to me. And the words rang in my ears when that person said to me, don't get in the water, don't do it, you know. And I was like, oh. I thought maybe he's right. And then I thought, no, you know, no. <laughs> no so, it's so just something. You, but you knew, you knew what you could get out there. And that's probably what drove you to then double down and get back out there. Because that comment he said there to you in the car park where you're going to miss a lot of it. And, th and that's mm -hmm. the thing, you know, you can sit on the beach and you can get all the clips, but you're not going to get that one shot. That's just the beauty of the beauties. And, you know, shooting water that you're only gonna, you're, you might only get a few of those great clips or those great photos, but those great photos are gonna be 1,000 times better than any land shot you could have pulled off. I mean, would you agree? For sure, 100% uh, agree with you. I think the other aspect to that is, is that what the person, the advice that the person had given to me, well, they obviously hadn't uh, carried out that form of photography before because, what they missed was the fact that when you're actually in the water, uh, you're engaged with the energy and you're also engaged with the people that are out there as well. Uh, but for me, it's more so the energy of the waves and so forth. It's, it's actually it's almost like you're surfing. Like, I, I feel like I've been barreled more often out in the water taking photos than what I actually have surfing. And, and probably and, gone over the falls a lot more as well. And, and you, are, you are a surfer and you're also a, a, a very accomplished photographer. And I know there's probably um, a part of you that has this dilemma when you enter um, a, a, um, a break and you see it going off, you're like, do I grab my board or do I grab my camera? Um, can, can you kind of speak to that dilemma? Okay, I can. Uh, the dilemma is actually uh, a lot easier to deal with at this point in time. I actually had quite a serious injury uh, to one of my knees uh, when I was actually shooting from the water. Um, at a kind of a remote location, I was actually the only one in the water. I was just uh, shooting, um, you know, uh, random beach breaks that were quite, mm -hmm. uh, quite sort of uh, uh, abrupt beach breaks, if I can call it that. Yeah, and, um, and just to interrupt real quick, those are some of my favorite shots that you have are, are those empty wave shots. They're just in incredible, right. but I, uh, I digress, go on. Yeah, uh, no, so... Um, I guess uh, uh, due to a, a really bad injury, I actually got into the photography a lot more than the surfing. That sort of progressed more than the surfing. But there was a, um, a time just not too long ago where I was out with a friend of mine um, who lives on the South Coast, not about a few hours from, from where we live. And we're out surfing a beach break. And we're actually the only people out surfing. And it was only about three to four foot, but you know, beautiful fun size, perfect shape waves, beautiful backlit afternoon. The waves were just sparkling, nice little barrels. And every time a wave came through, all I could think about was actually being in the water and shooting the waves in between, you know, I'm sure I probably missed quite a few waves that went sliding past because I was looking at these waves breaking down the beach either side of me going, oh, man, you know, I've lost me taking a photo, you know. But, um, but I persisted with the surfing anyway. In fact, that particular day, I didn't take my camera with me because I knew that if I had have done that, I probably would have gone in I grabbed my camera and started shooting my mate or my friend, if I can call him that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the dilemma, I guess, uh, isn't that, uh, it's not that much of a dilemma for me because um, I shoot more these days, more than what I surf. And the reason I do that um, is because, um, I guess, uh, I found it a lot more difficult in surfing. A lot of places here require, you know, you to, to walk long distances. The access isn't all that easy. It's not like you can just rock up uh, to a car park here and just get out of your car and bang, you're out in the surf. Uh, but a lot of the places do require a lot more effort than that. Um, so, but the way I see it, the water photography side of it has actually kept me involved. Uh, even though I'm not surfing as much, I've kind of swapped it around a little bit, but it's kept me in touch with the ocean and surfing in general and with what's been going on in the local region and, and surfers in general and, um, and, so it's just uh, it's, it's just another avenue that I've taken, but I still feel that I've totally got my finger on the pulse when it comes to surfers and surfing and what's happening. Absolutely. 
And um, let's talk a little bit about those, um, those breaks you're entering because they are so hardcore. And uh, I mean, I know I'd, I would feel more comfortable on my board in these spots, uh, but quite honestly, over swimming with just my camera. You know, my, my experience with locations uh, like yours could be maybe like uh, Santa Cruz, that kind of place where it's like heavy, there's lots of stuff underneath you. You know, it's a very sketchy situation. I wanna know, um, first of all, when you roll up to these spots, you know, I, I'm sure you do know a lot about them because you do have experience, but what are the type of things that go through your mind that you're like, all right, um, these are your these are your checklists. I'm 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 kind of trying to get out of you. Like, what do you? Where's your headspace? How do you uh, know uh, where the, your safety protocols are? Um, tell me a little bit about that. Okay, I think the first thing on my checklist would be uh, to check, double check, and triple check uh, that my housing is all okay. <laughs> um, and other than that, I think the for the most part is depending on on where it is. Uh, so there's a few locations not far from where I live uh, within about, you know, 10 minutes drive or so forth. Um, and they are heavy breaks. And there's been times where I've been out at these locations and, and seen guys taking off and snap their boards and break their ribs on that, you know, on that same, uh, same on the same way, the same location. So for me, I guess it's a point or a fact of just sort of watching it for a while. And I like to watch um, the surfers enter the water to start with and just kind of get a feel for what's happening with um, with what the ocean's doing in terms of, uh, any currents and so forth, and, and pick a pick an entry point and so forth. Uh, that's pretty much um, what I'll look at. And uh, the thing with uh, with this this area here is you can you can turn up to a spot, and depending on what time you turn up, you know there might be four foot sets. And if you sit around and have a bit of a wait and a bit of a look, you know all of a sudden it's you know eight foot bombs coming through. Um, so I like to get a, an idea of of what's happening to start with. So I've, basically, I just monitor what's going on. Uh, and in terms of my checklist, yes, got my flippers, got my housing, uh, you know, all that sort of thing. Uh, double check all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and I just pretty much sit on the beach and I watch. And, you know, that, that's pretty much my checklist. I don't really go too far or too, uh, too deep into it, so to speak. Do you wear a helmet? I used to wear a helmet, but I haven't worn a helmet for a long time. But I had a, uh, a mo I had a moment um, not too long ago where uh, I went out to one location and uh, I was I was shooting a uh, fifty millimeter and um, this this surfer who I actually knew was on this uh, you know rifling straight towards me and uh, you know when you're looking through the viewfinder you've kind of got tunnel vision and uh, it's very easy you don't have that peripheral vision as to what's going on but I could see that this surfer was just barreling straight for me in, in the barrel. And uh, all of a sudden I thought, probably gonna get run over here. And it was that close. And that, at that moment, I actually thought to myself, you know, I probably should be wearing a helmet out here. So kids out there listening, um, wear yeah. your helmets. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Gas, great, great brand. Yeah. Um, so I wanna talk a little bit more about the box in particular when you're shooting there. I'm, I'm looking at some of your pictures and it just seems like the most gnarly setup. Uh, how, how are you position, positioning yourself um, at that particular location? Um, is, is there a nice channel? Um, are, you, are you getting thrown over the falls to get those images? Like what's, the, what's that situation like? Yeah, well, the box is a, a really short, intense wave. So, and there is a, a, a big channel uh, just on, on the right hand of there. Um, so, you know, you can shoot it in relative safety and you might've seen a lot of footage of um, you know lots of photographers out there and their skis and so forth so you know you can shoot in relative safety I think that um, for the people who are, are really brave and um, you know uh, they the people who go out there and shoot fisheye I've never shot fisheye out there before uh, but there are people who do that uh, you know like people like your um, you know, local legends in the area like your Russell Lords and so forth what those guys can do out there is is quite amazing but having said that when you go out of the box uh, from when you look at it from the land or even from the water, the wave can sometimes look so perfect, but it's so uh, vicious and so concentrated on this slab of reef. There's so much power behind it and it wedges up and it's just quite incredible. And when the, when the spit hits you, because most waves spit out there, you know, it stings your face and so forth. Uh, there's a couple of big like... Um, 
uh, boils and like big, you know, uh, bits of, of reef, you know, and these boils, when you're around there, they kind of, uh, once the wave passes, they kind of try and then suck you under the water and so forth, you know, so it can be quite an, an intimidating spot, but um, uh, I guess uh, in terms of safety, that you can, you can find some relative safety out there, I believe, for sure. You can, so you can shoot in safety, yep. And, and what would be your favorite local break? My favorite local break? Mm -hmm. hey, that's actually a pretty good question because um, I like to move around so much in this region. Um, like my, my local area just down the road here um, is there's so many waves there, but I don't go there all that often because there's so many waves. So to give you, a, to paint a picture for you, if I drive down the road from where I live, when I get to the main road, I stop and I have to make a choice. I can turn right or I can turn left. Either way, there's going to be sick waves, you know. So it's just depending on the conditions at the time. Um, so, sorry, I went off the track there. What was the question? Uh, your favorite break in, in, in oh, your little favorite. region. Like when you when you wake up in the morning, like yeah. for instance, myself, I, I kind of always go to this one spot. And I don't know if it's something in my head, but I want to know from your perspective, like how do you pre-plan where you're, where you're going to drive that car to? Okay, so I, I do all of my pre-planning the night before. I always have a plan A and a plan B. So depending on the wind, uh, the tide, uh, and, and obviously the swell size, um, I'll always say, right, this is where my plan A is, and then I'll have a plan B. And if plan B doesn't work, I'll forget about it because if plan A hasn't worked to start with, then I know I'm on the, I'm on the wrong sort of, uh, I'm on the wrong path, so to speak. Um, but... You know, it's a hard one to answer. And the only reason I'm having difficulty in answering it is because most of the waves here are like my favourite waves. I love shooting most of the waves here. Um, so we have one spot down the road called Cobblestones. Great place to shoot from the land. Not a bad place to shoot from the water as well. And then just down from there, just a, a couple of miles down, we've got some uh, heavy, you know, reef breaks that break very similar to like pipeline. Um, they're very remote. You have to walk a long way. So it just kind of depends on, on how I'm feeling or you can go down to the box or you can go further north up towards what we call the yelling up region. And again, depending on the swells, um, you know, what do you want to shoot? Do you want to shoot left-hand barrels or do you want to shoot right-hand spitting barrels? Or do you want to shoot grinding beach breaks or do you want to shoot a point break? So that's, that's the dilemma I have. <laughs> yeah. So speaking to this whole process, um, you know, in, in lead up to this interview, we kind of had some emails back and forth. And you spoke to um, to really um, following the light. I think that was your your quote, as opposed to like following a surfer to shoot a surfer. So I, I that struck me because I'm I'm totally on that on that train. Um, you do you do have um, excellent, just awesome photos of surfers in your Rolodex there. But I um, I'm I'm catching a vibe that really that's not the point of your endeavor. It's more of an aesthetic uh, with the water as opposed to some sort of um, surf magazine kind of shot you're looking to get, even though you probably are getting those while you're out there. Um, can you kind of speak to your philosophy? Like what, what drives that bubbling up in your, in your soul? It, is it the light? Uh, well, Sean, you've actually, uh, you've touched the nerve in me there because that's exactly uh, what it is for me. And I think that um, the more I've gone about doing surf photography, maybe it's a maturity thing, or maybe just knowing what you actually want to do uh, in terms of your photography, you, you've hit the nail on the head. It's, it's actually all about the light. And for me, I, I try and follow, uh, I have four Cs. Now you have all these, you should be fully aware of all the principles of photography through your composition and your rule of thirds and, and everything else that goes with it. But for me, I always try and look for, you know, uh, ingrained with the light, uh, color, color, contrast, uh, clarity, and composition. So they're the things I really look for. And when you mention the light, um, I guess when you when you get familiar with the locations here, you kind of have an idea of the locations that really present well um, at different times of the morning or the evening, whatever it might be, and how they respond to that light uh, during those times of day. So it's definitely all about the light. And you touch on the fact with um, having surfers in, in images or whatever it might be I'm, I'm definitely transitioning more to I guess just trying to and maybe even simplify things by just really letting the light do the work for me because I believe that if you can capture the light 
then you're halfway to having a good photo to start with anyway. So the lights, uh, photography is all about the light. It's all about light and matter. So, um, you know, without the light, you don't have a decent photo. With that said, do you think your previous uh, experience before digital informs, you know, with film, um, informs your current place now in, in the digital world? I uh, spoke with DJ Strunz in a previous podcast, and that was kind of his big takeaway from, uh, uh, he's an old school guy, he worked in film, and then he went to digital. Um, uh, can you speak to that process for you yourself, um, how the, that kind of commingles into this time period? Yeah, well, I think so because I guess that uh, back in the back in the film era, um, everything was about having your exposures right to start with, and so you're always you're always looking for that beautiful light to begin with. It's not like uh, back in a film era where if you've got something that's been totally underexposed, and you can just give it a boost with digital. Um, so you know, I, I've always believed that I, I guess what transitions from that film era to the digital era. Uh, with regards to your question is the fact that at the end of the day, if you've got your exposures um, set in stone and you've got correct exposures to start with, then there's minimal things you have to do outside of that. So uh, I guess it's um, having that film era exposure, I guess it forms a, a fundamental or a base. And I guess uh, I've never really thought about it the way you, you've said that, but I guess it must automatically transition uh, into this era that we're in now with the whole digital era and, and so on. So, you know, just by having your exposures right and looking for that light, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, it, it certainly must translate into that sort of space. What, what has informed you the most or what, what particular um, moment or series of moments has kind of like made the most impact on, on your work? Um, uh, maybe it's a person, maybe it's a, a time period, maybe it's a, um, something you read possibly um, that has kind of transformed um, your output to this present day, if that makes sense. Well, I guess that uh, there's people out there that you've, or that I've taken interest in their work uh, to start with that have maybe been, you know, or not maybe, they've definitely been inspirational in uh, giving me uh, something to I guess, uh, try different things and trying to, I guess, do it my way, um, if, if that makes any sense. Absolutely, yes. So, you know, it, it's difficult, you know, like I can be, um, I've had moments where I've been on a, on a cliff top here, uh, not far from, from where I live, and down the road, only just, you know, several miles down the road, I know that a spotlight North Point is cooking. And I know that it's pumping and there's a lot of guys out there getting sick barrels and so forth. And here I am, I'm up the top of a cliff and I'm shooting these lines and there's no one else around, but there's these beautiful pastel colors with the sun coming up behind me and, the, and in front of me, the ocean is stretching out, the Indian Ocean is stretching out towards Madagascar, yeah, as far as the eye can see. And there's lines that are stacked. I don't know if you can see them behind me. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm looking at it. You're yeah. describing what I'm looking at. Right. So, uh, so these lines is exactly what I'm talking about. So I know it's going off down the road, but I'm here in this space and I'm on my own and I'm really taking something out of it and I'm feeling the energy of the ocean. And I guess it, it almost feels like a spiritual place. And that for me is something that's kind of made me head down the path as to where I am going with my photography. Because I'm finding um, an element of total relaxation and absorption in what I'm doing. And as I, as I mentioned earlier, it kind of just feels like it's almost like it's a religious experience. So would you say almost the, um, the process in itself of the creation is the point and not so much even what comes as the output, even though that's very gratifying and, and kind of the, the cherry on the top? Um, the actual doing of it is the point of, of the endeavor. Is that, would you say so? That's, that's 100% correct, Sean. I think you've, uh, you've summarized that. You've actually, you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, so I can go to locations where, uh, like I did uh, last weekend, I can, I don't just sit around, I move around a lot when I shoot. And, but 
I can be in one location, I can spend hours there. And if I'm the only one there and there's no other surfers, it's just myself, the ocean, maybe dolphins jumping out of the water, maybe some whales or there's no footsteps on the beach. That's the sort of thing that, like you say, it's that process of going through that. And what happens afterwards is, uh, like you say, it's the cherry, it's the cherry on top. And um, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, and that's, that's why I do it. You know, um, it's the whole, it's the whole natural being absorbed by nature and, and just feeling that energy. That's, that's what, it, that's where it's at for me. Well, let's speak to this. You, you have this incredible natural experience. The cherry is over there at the end. You, you, you then need to go to your office, like everyone and everyone who works does. So you're in, in your process of, of, of going through just, I'm sure, just thousands of photos. Um, how, how do you go about doing that? Do you have in your mind, like, oh, that was the one, because you know what you have. Do you, are you like going to that or do you kind of like go through them individually and kind of comprehend them? I want to I wanna know your, your uh, development stages. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, I, think, I think subconsciously, when you're capturing the images, you always know uh, that, you know, which one you think is the one that, uh, you're going to uh i guess maybe i don't know obsess on it uh but there's always one and you probably know yourself that when you're looking through the viewfinder and you just get that moment you go okay i think that that one is the one that was something that i was actually looking for today um but in answer to your question i will go through uh, all the images during the process i probably skip through a lot of the images that i have and probably hurry on to the one that i think uh, I really want to have a look at. But the thing that I find is that you can, uh, you mentioned about having so many images and so forth, you can go through and have all of these images. But the one thing I need to do is once I've sat down and had a look at what I've got, quite often um, I'll actually walk away and I won't look at the images maybe till the next day uh, because uh, you can be so inundated with everything that you've, all the images that you've shot that after a while, I don't know if you've ever gone to look for a, a house to buy or a rent a house or, or even a car or something like that. Once you've looked at so many, everything just starts to look the same. So you need to remove yourself and then go back and go, right, that's what I was after. And that's why I went out that morning to try and capture an image like that. And then when you look at it, it kind of sets everything apart. You mentioned the cherry on the top. So uh, you go back to that and occasionally uh, you'll come across images and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, where when you do go back to them, it might even be a week later or it might even be a month later and you'll look at an image and you'll go, oh, wow, you know, um, I didn't even, that, how did that one sort of uh, slip through the cracks? And you go back and you have a look at it and you just go, wow, you know, that's, um, that one was something that was totally overlooked because you might've been more focused on, on something that was already at the forefront of your mind. 100%. And on that note, do you ever delete anything or do you just have stacks of hard drives full of every sh shot you've ever taken? Uh, uh, the only reason I'm chuckling is because um, I have stacks of hard drives and I've, I've also had hard drives that have failed on me as well. External hard drives, so got backups uh, that have failed and I just go, oh, man, how many like how many backups do you need for your backups? And you know they're already on my hard drive. They're on an external hard drive, and um, so yeah, I've I've got hard drives everywhere. I've got so many of them. You know, you, I think you first started getting something like a I don't know thirty eight gig hard drive, and then you move up to your terabyte hard drive, and then you're at four terabytes and then next thing you know you're ringing up the local data center and seeing if you can get open an account and some sort of cloud account or whatever it might be that's not where i'm at but um that's kind of it feels that's that's where i'm at and when i look through uh, my hard drives um it's kind of like there's there's tens and tens of thousands of images and it's a really good question because even today when i was going through the images uh from that i captured this morning I was thinking to myself, oh man, you know, there's just um, there's just so much other material. And here I am looking at something that I've captured today. And yet there's all this stuff dating back from last week, last month, last year, five years ago. And occasionally 
I'll go into my hard drive and I'll open up a random folder and there'll be this folder there and there'll be all these images there and I'll go, oh, wow, who took those? And I'll be like, oh, hang on. <laughs> oh, I took those at such and such. And I'll think, oh, when was that? And I'll start, you know, trying to remember when it was. But the thing I love about photography as well is that you can capture an image and, you know, when you, you hear a song or, or you eat food or something and it takes you back to a moment in time. So a song will take you back to, you might remember maybe the first girl you kissed or the first time you went out with your friends to the movies, whatever it might be. Photography for me is like that as well, where quite often um, I'll bump into someone at a local car park and they'll say, oh, um, I saw you at uh, such and such uh, on such and such day and I was out in the water. I said, oh, you know, um, okay, uh, I can't, you know, what sort of board were you surfing and what sort of wetsuit? And they would tell me and bang, I'm straight there. Well, it was two or three years ago, but I can remember the exact day, exactly what the conditions were like, four to six foot, perfect offshore. And there's this guy, yeah, that's right. He had that typically white board and black wetsuit. (laughs) So that's the other thing I love about photography. When I look at an image, it always takes me back to that moment in time it's and i think that's the uh, that's one of the reasons I, I really love photography is that you immortalize something it's like that just that moment it's like the closest thing to a time machine we have with present technology totally, totally. It, it's amazing it, that, that for me is just uh yeah it blows me away i think circling back to you know that dilemma between surfing and shooting it's always like oh, I can catch the wave in the moment and that is sick. But if you catch the wave in your camera, well, you can you can relive that on your deathbed 50 years from now and be like, oh yeah, that, that was it. And, uh, and yeah, I can totally relate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, wanna, I wanna speak, uh, you know, you're a family man. Um, I also am a family man. Uh, speak to uh, how, how you balance the two, you know, your, your passion your artistic drive combined with having to do the the great job of being a father and how the two uh, commingle and maybe um the pieces where where stress might lie because uh, um I, I see them in my own life and uh i'd like to know from you my i guess my story is the fact that uh first and foremost i have a wife who's so supportive of what i do always encouraging and supportive And uh, when she wanted to pursue her career and I was doing long hours at work, we had two young children and I've gone, if you want to pursue your career, how about I stay home and be the stay-at-home dad? Great, we came to an agreement. Five years later, I was still the stay-at-home dad, which was awesome. I could drop the kids off at school and then bang them down the beach all day, pick them up in the afternoon. And then after that, I would make the kids come with me back down to the beach, you know, whether we went for a surf or whether we were shooting, um, you know, I've got a couple of cameras and so forth. So occasionally I'd hand the camera over to my daughter or my son and say, here, you're shooting as well, you know? So, and at the time they would cringe, okay. But they would always have so much fun because we're climbing over rocks, we're walking up and down beaches and, uh, you know, they're they're seeing uh, the natural environment. They're octopus in the water and stingrays and dolphins and whales and blah 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 uh, so I was really fortunate to have that five years not only uh, to be with my kids and to really get to know them and build that relationship with them but also it gave me that time where it gave me a lot of free time where I was able to get out and do what I wanted to do uh, and really I, I really felt like I lived life and uh, it's a little bit it's a little bit different now the kids have grown up a lot more and um, you know there's always and you maybe know this yourself there's always something going on from getting them to you know whether it's music lessons or sports or anything it might be and so life's really fast paced and um, I found it difficult over the past I guess couple of years to really find the time for myself to really immerse myself back into that whole ocean and and um, and find the time to do the things that I want to do because, you know, uh, life's not just about what what I want to do and what makes me happy. It's also about what makes my kids and my family happy. And, and at the end of the day, they're they're the most important things. I read you loud and clear. Um, how old are your children now? 
Uh, so my daughter has just turned 14 and my son is 12. Epic. Yeah, 14 Epic. and 12. It's getting to that age where like, you know, things are getting really tricky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mine are uh, one, uh, six and, uh, and nine. And, uh, and uh, I, I, my wife also works and I, I am lucky enough to, to be the, uh, the sod, as they call it here in America, the stay-at-home dad. And um, yeah, right. it fits. Cool. It fits very well with um, with what I with, with what I do also. So it, it, it is a blessing and, and a dream at the same yeah. time. Um, How good you know, is it? Oh, dude, it's it's, it's the best. It's just I recommend just, it to anyone. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you can, yeah, if you can do it, you know, there's a lot of men resist the concept and resist the whole the framework of it. You know, I don't know why, because it's maybe uh, it doesn't go with what has been done historically in the past and culture. That's right. That's right. But yeah. um, but dude. It's it's top notch because when they're older, they're older, and you don't have that time, and it's it's um totally it's yeah. it's a total blessing. And to be able to raise children at the beach is is something that I didn't have growing up myself. I'm from Washington D.C., and I just dreamed my whole life to make it to the beach. And when I did, and now I have this opportunity to to show the children the beach. Um, it's just you know raising water people. Yeah, totally, and that whole environment encourages those conversations about the actual environment that, that that we live in and you know taking care of it and being respectful of it and uh you know that's one thing um through i hope through photography and i have this little uh little catchphrase that uh i, I always refer to the ocean the pulse of life and i really believe that you know and the things that i see um around the ocean and, and that whole natural environment especially where where I'm living now, it's so it's so pristine, and it's something that we have to respect, and it's something that that we got to protect. It, man, you know, um, it's it's given us so much, and I think we've all got a we've all got a duty to to you know to look after it. And Absolutely, to pass on. and and then that's what I was just going to follow that up with is to pass it on to the, our next generation that's in in the wings. Um, yep. You know, on that note, what in particular would you recommend the, the common man out there focus on to help um, us do that? I'm sorry, what was that, Sean? As far as what would you um, kind of particularly um, uh, suggest to the common man to help us keep the oceans clean and pristine? Is it, is it a factor of uh, just recognizing how special this thing is to engage it mentally, um, you know, obviously not pollute and, and do stuff like that, but kind of on a, on a both a action-oriented level and a conceptual level. Um, what do you suggest people, the common folk, the people out there who are interested in the ocean um, uh, do to bring the ocean more into their lives? You know, say they can't be at the beach every day. Um, what are some things that they can do to be more beach people? Well, I, I guess at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't matter where you are, whether it's actually around the ocean or whether it's in a landlocked area. At the end of the day, if you, uh, if you have respect for, for the environment that you're in and you're looking after it, if you're picking up a little bit of litter here and there, uh, you know, going to and from different locations, and I think uh, communicating it to people as well. So you need to always be communicating it. If you see someone doing something that, that you perceive as being, you know, uh, the wrong thing in terms of the environment and so forth, you can always have a word with people. Um, but I think that, you know, the actions through, the way I see it, actions through your children uh, is a very strong tool as well. Um, I think the surfing community uh, is very lucky in the sense that, you know, we're all supposed to be environmentally aware and environmentally tuned as it is anyway, because we are around the ocean. Sometimes I feel like that can be forgotten. Um, but, you know, uh, because, you know, uh, there's a lot more people around the ocean. Uh, so, you know, a lot more crowds. There's, you know, a lot more people who are unaware but you just need to, I guess, be mindful of where you are. And I think um, we're, you know, we have a lot of uh, travellers come to this uh, region as well. And I think people need to be highly respectful of where they are. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't like to go to other people's areas and leave rubbish laying around. Um, you know, you pick up after yourself uh, and all that sort of thing. I, I don't, I don't really know uh, how to go about explaining it, but I think that. If you, if you act in the right way um, and people see you acting in the right way, uh, then, you know, that will follow as well. So you've got to be setting an example and you just got to be promoting it. Modeling. 
Great, great words of advice. Oh, yeah. um, yep. I, have, I have two final questions for you before we, we wrap up this epic interview. Um, okay, what, what, is it, uh, what advice would you give to the children um, or the, the young people at heart um, who wanna step, uh, put their toes into this, into this uh, image capturing game as far as uh, capturing the aesthetics of water? Um, what, what, what kind of um, words of wisdom do you have? I think firstly, I would say that uh, for people who are, are younger or young or youth at heart, uh, they they have time on their hands. They have a long runway of, of being able to produce whatever they want to produce and develop their own styles. So I think that people, uh, I would recommend that people be, be patient and try and develop their own techniques, learn as much as they can from other people as well, uh, but, but be patient. And, and just, uh, I guess, you know, by try and step outside, uh, I guess, try and step outside the square. And if you may be around other people and maybe uh, shooting the same subjects, the same waves, maybe just uh, think about, you know, how you can go about it, doing it a little bit differently, uh, whether it's, you know, slowing down your your shutter speeds or your different settings or shooting from the back of the wave or the front of the wave, whatever it, whatever it might be. But I think um, I would say to people, don't just follow the crowd, be your own person, um, be happy with what you're doing and be confident in what you're doing. Uh, your skills will always improve. And once you find that place where you're satisfied in what you're doing yourself, uh, you'll be much happier for it. And I think your, your photography in general uh, will really excel and it will excel quite rapidly uh, instead of, because it'd be quite easy to, to get in a stagnant area, feel like you're doing the same thing. But, you know, um, a lot of people want things instantly, uh, but I always cast my mind back to people who uh, are the stalwarts of the industries uh, of the surfing industry and so forth and surf photography in general where they've been doing it for a long time and you know that little saying where good things come to those who wait uh, I think is a, a good piece of advice in terms of you know you work hard at it be confident what you're doing uh, and eventually uh, your results will pay dividends epic advice epic um, last question what is the meaning of life <laughs> I, uh, I had a coffee mug and on the side of that coffee mug was a, a statement and I've never forgotten it. And on the statement was, life is a mystery to be lived, not a problem to be solved. And I don't know, that's kind of how I live my life. But I'll also go back to the whole ocean thing about the ocean, the pulse of life. What is the meaning of life? Oh, God, mate, honestly, um, I could probably sit here and rant and rave about a whole lot of different things that don't make sense. But I think the meaning of life at the end of the day is that you've got to be comfortable uh, with who you are and the people that you're around. Uh, surround yourself with good, happy people, supportive people. And um, I think that if you can keep life simple and do the things which make you happy, because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing, then I think you'll do well in life. It doesn't matter what you do. Words of wisdom. Love it, dude. Love it. Peter, Thanks. this has just been an, an amazing uh, interview, uh, one of the best, and um, I, I can't wait to, to get it out there and share it with the world. Um, you, you, and, and thank you extremely um, uh, heaps much uh, for, for taking your Saturday evening and spending it with us. Sure, thank you very much, mate. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed talking with you, and I'd like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to, you know, I feel blessed to be able to, to, to be uh, on this uh, interview and uh, I thank you so much, mate. Seriously, bro. I, ho I hope maybe we can do a round two, you know, in the in the future, um, at, at maybe uh, in the next season, and, and we can catch up with you and see how how everything's going. Yeah, cool. And if you're ever in this region, you make sure you better look me up. You know I will. You better. <laughs> and thank you. And thank. Please tell your family I said thank you for your time. Also, thank you, Sean. I really appreciate that, and all the best to your family as well. Thank you very, very much. And uh, we'll, we'll be in contact in the future and I um, and, uh, hope you have a great evening. Yeah, let's stay in contact. Thanks, Sean. All right. Good man. That's a wrap. Woo. <laughs>
Dude.